Welcome to The Glint View. We'll be talking about innovative technologies that address climate change and also the fast-growing business side of the carbon economy. We're taking a close look at how companies, communities, and consumers can take advantage of these new opportunities, including profiting from their carbon emissions data. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to The Glint View. Welcome back, CEO Martha Amram and CRO Chin Mua. Today's topic will be very exciting for the audience because this episode is about consumers and communities, profits to the people from emissions data, or as I like to call it, the what's in it for me and can I actually contribute episode. In our previous episodes, I'd like to share a gentle reminder that we're digging deeper into the value of ESG for both businesses and consumers alike. We've laid out the big picture to give us perspective, and now we're getting to the details that should resonate with everyone. So let's level set. Martha, Chin, how does a home create carbon emissions? We're getting to me as a consumer now. Yeah, good morning. And good question. So we've, we've been hearing in policy for months and months that, you know, there's too much emissions in the air. But when you look around your house, like what the heck, where are those emissions? Largely in the home, they come from two places. You're using electricity, and then there's some sort of way in which electricity is made. It could be a coal plant, could be a um, natural gas plant, it could be a big commercial solar system. And then you also have natural gas or heating oil coming into your house to heat up stuff. Maybe you're using your stove, but maybe it powers your heating system. And then the last place that we don't think about it, but emissions come from our cars. So gasoline is made from petroleum products. So you can think of those two cars parked in your driveway as two little emissions creators. And so I've just described ways that in everyday life through electricity and heating and driving, we're creating emissions as humans. And Shin, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it's also the consuming of products and services as, as we are consumers, um, going to the grocery store, um, buying a dress, uh, pants, whatever that uh, facilitates your needs at that moment. And I think when we start to look at emissions as, as our human population starts to continue to grow on Earth here, we have to be more responsible in how we leverage and manage what we contribute to the environment. At the same time, we still want to live an everyday normal life. And that's, I think that's really the, the crux of this whole the discussion is that how do I have a normal life? Because I still want to go to my concerts, go have dinner with my friends, go out dancing, go to work. At the same time, I, I want to be able to live in a world where it is cleaner for my, my children and, and, and their children. So what is that fine line and how do I facilitate a quote unquote easy button? And so I think that's that's really the interesting conversations that we're, we're having today with many of our in customers as well as the the consumer themselves. Oh my goodness! So okay, if I'm if I'm thinking that as a consumer, and of course we're looking at all this carbon consumption, is is water part of that equation? You know, water is kind of interesting because officially in the counting of emissions, we don't count the the emissions used to make clean water to the resident. Like water is delivered to your house, but it doesn't hit, hit the house profile and emissions. But on the other hand. It takes so much energy right now to make clean water. And why is that? Because most water actually goes through coal plants and then gets cleaned up and put back into the rivers and the ecosystems. So we have a lot of water that's uh, doing two purposes, industrial use and then being cleaned up for consumers. And so it carries a lot of energy use in the water. In the water. Okay, yeah. that's... So, that's- but- 
But to, uh, but you're, I can see like, okay, and the point being, it's not included in the home emissions, but people care about water. Cities find that water expenses are often as much as their energy expenses. So in general, it's almost a false divide to not include it in the home profile. So we often, we generally include it anyhow. Yeah, and I think people forget that many times, not just the the cleaning of the water, but the energy it takes to transport the waters through all the plumbing and pipes to your home. Specifically here in Texas, we have all those water towers that uh, requires energy to pump them into. And then at night, we all use that water for our public consumption. So there are still uh, emissions that are a part of that. It's just not factored into it. Okay. So if, it, if we're looking at it from the prospect and pull it out to from a city level then, so are emissions from homes a big deal? I live in a suburb, for example. Are, are the emissions from a suburb the same thing or, you know, is, as similar to a major city? It, you know, think of downtown Manhattan. Okay, people don't drive very much. They're doing an awful lot more walking and they live in apartments with shared walls. So in general, your carbon emissions footprint from your electricity, natural gas or transportation in Manhattan is pretty low. But most Americans don't live in that kind of city. We live in the suburbs around the cities where we walk out to our driveway and start driving. So in a suburb, about 40% of the emissions come from the homes and 40% come from driving around. And then that leaves 20% for local business. That's a very typical suburban emissions profile. So, okay. So does that mean then like, okay, so reducing emissions, does that mean like, is it like wearing a sweater? Like it's a very Jimmy Carter like thing. So like, are we going to suffer? <laughs> well, so let's, let's let, that's exactly why Chin and I are here because there is a myth that to be active and to participate, we're going to be cold or too hot. We're going to be hungry. Or we're going to wear the same cute dress for the next five years, but never buy a second cute dress. I mean, th- there's a sense of suffering that comes embedded with thinking about how can we help climate change? And I just want to take a big hammer to that gong and ring it right now and say, nope, let's not even think that way. Because there's so many ways in which you can reduce your emissions, helping the planet, but actually put money in your pocket. And so what is one of the absolute easiest ones to do? It's those LED light bulbs. If you have like five lights in your house that are turned on every evening, and they're not LED, and you went out and bought an LED light bulb for each, you would notice your electricity bill going down right away. It would just be cheaper because the LEDs only use 10% of what you're using today. So you'll see the difference on your bill and then the LEDs will last 25 years. So you won't be replacing them either. Yeah. And on top of that, I think the hardest thing about this whole process is just knowing where to start. And in some cases, yes, it's, it's replacing the LED, but in many cases, it's really just starting to understand your utility bill and how it works. Uh, Many folks have these things on auto pay I myself. And so when the bill comes in, I know I need to pay on the 15th. If there's enough money in the bank account, it automatically pays itself. And I live happily ever after. But the real the reality is, is that we need to really make a conscious decision and really start to understand what, what does that mean when we pay our electric bill? What does that mean when we have a choice picking a, a gas petroleum car or an EV? Is that a really a benefit to me? And so there's a lot of different data points that really comes to, to making these decisions. And sometimes that easy button is not so easy because it is complex depending on where you live. And so what we here at Glenn is trying to do is really make that decision really seamless and frictionless because we all want to do our part, but we really don't know if that part really contributes. And the only way to do that or know is know where the data is, 
know that if I make X decision, it impacts B results. And so that's that's really where we're trying to focus at helping the everyday consumer understand. This sounds very noble. And, and I'm going to challenge you a little bit here because, I mean, why now? Because date me, if you will. I just made a Jimmy Carter reference. So let me pull it up here. But like, pretty sure organizations like the Sierra Club and other environmental groups have been wanting to do this for years now. So I guess I'm confused as what's different today versus yesterday. I love that reference to Jimmy Carter because he was talking about the energy crisis at the time when he was president and he walked out and he wore a sweater and nobody had seen a president in a public setting like that, you know, taping a broadcast to the nation wearing a sweater. And that was the topic that everybody remembered, not what the, the content of what he said. So suffering and wearing sweaters and being cold at home was the only way to go. But that, as I mentioned, that's just really a myth. So what, what we think we can do here at Glint is entirely different, which is today there are technologies, and I described the light bulbs, the LEDs, but you know there's plenty of other ones, and let's take the electric vehicle. The electric vehicle saves the average home about $1,200 a year. That's real money, and that's after-tax money. So on your pre-tax basis, that's going to be closer to $1,600. So if you got your raise for $1,600 right now by switching cars, that's what we're talking about. Now, you're gonna, the average person will say, well, you know, I don't know, show it to me. And that's where Glint comes in. We're in the middle. And as Glint said, I mean, as Chin said, we want to do the easy button. So if there's an easy button that says, grab my data from all the places that it exists, put it in one nice format, and then I can go down to the EV dealer, the electric vehicle dealer, or shop online and do a what if, because I know that information, I can see that $1,400, I can taste it. So the easy button here is grab the data and make a proposal that's right for me. And so that's part one of the Glint story. And then part two is, you know what, that electric vehicle company wants to sell to you. They want to sell to you with your data because that makes their job so much easier because they can show you how to how much it will be. It's not hypothetical anymore. It's all about you. That's the best way to sell. So by turning it into an easy button and all about the you, Sia or anybody else, all about me, then we have a flywheel of climate change. And Glenn's job is to t- climate change solutions. We have a flywheel of climate change solutions, and Glenn's job is to take out all the frictions we can and just get that going. The product companies and the solution companies will rush in, and the consumer will benefit because these are solutions that put cash into people's pockets today. We don't have to wait. Yeah, and my add to that is that the analogy I always tell people is like clipping coupons. And so I grew up in a household where mom and dad clip coupons, and then there are folks who don't, and they choose not to. But there is that ability out there, if you wanted to save money, to go out into the newspaper every Sunday afternoon, spend two or three hours clipping coupons, manage those coupon data. And when you go to the grocery store, you buy a certain bread or you buy certain products because you get that savings. Well, guess what? That's not an easy button. That is taking a lot of time, the mail effort, and all the different unique systems that you develop yourself to track all those coupon clippings. Why not just have a card, go to the store, scan that card, 
and you get your coupons instantly taken off just because you you are buying certain products. And that's really kind of the the change of thought process is that we have all this great technology today. Why are we still clipping coupons, right? And so it's the same thing goes with with electricity and emissions. We have all this data that's available to us. This just hasn't been able to. There just hasn't been anyone that takes that took the time and energy to put it all together in one place to where people then can facilitate it to managing their emissions. And that's really the point of what we're trying to get to. Look, I'm I'm sorry, Martha. I just want to make it really clear. Like if you live in Los Angeles, you might have Southern California Edison for electricity, Southern California gas for natural gas, and then your local municipal water system, Alameda, Alhambra, you know, all those small little towns down in the LA County area all have different water systems. So how can you get it all together? It's hard. It's actually three different logins, three different protocols. Glit is the easy button for all of that. Okay. Like, look, I've heard easy button. There's a whole ad campaign from another company talking about easy button. It's, you know, too good to be true. Let's be honest here. So you guys, Glint is making a rather bold claim here. I mean, so help me understand again, consumers can actually profit from their emissions data. That's what you guys are telling, saying to me, correct? That is correct. Yes, we All do. right. Okay, guys, you know, I'm going to be asking a little bit deeper here. How then? How does that work? I almost feel like a five-year-old. How? Why? But no, seriously, how does that work? Because I'm, I'm I think I'm, I get what you're saying but I need that nitty gritty detail. Yeah. So one of the things that's super easy to detect from anybody's electricity bill is if they have that second fridge in the garage and that second fridge is more than eight years old. Because what happens is, is that is a big, big consumer of electricity and you can just see it in the everyday electricity use. And so it's very easy to say, oh, by the way, do you happen to have a second fridge? Well, would you like to have a coupon, going back to Chin's analysis, to save money on a new fridge? It will actually save you energy too. Here's how it would work. And the then and then you can break it down one step further and say, you don't have to put up the 600 bucks right now. You can pay it off as you save energy. So it's a financing payment plan. And what happens is your electricity bill goes down. And even as you're paying off the fridge, you're still ahead. You still have money in your pocket. So it's what's underlying that whole story, which is connecting a bunch of dots, is let's start with your data. And removing the frictions on that data capture is Glint's job. The product companies will come rushing in when the da- as the data becomes available. And we have validated this. We didn't make it up. We've been out there talking to innovative clean tech companies like a room air conditioner that reduces your electricity by 50%. They said, Glint, if you have customers with data, we're coming in. Solar companies that said, Glint, if you can help people know where they stand, you're cutting our sales costs, we're coming in. So we think it really works. Well, and it also incentivizes these new tech companies to reach out to folks who want to participate in, in manage their emissions. And that's really the hardest piece is that you may want to participate in making the world better and cleaner, but you really don't know who is enabling that. So on top of that, there are all these new technologies that's coming as well as uh, clean tech. So we here at Glenn is basically just the funnel. We're just facilitating connecting consumers to all those new emerging techs at the same time, helping reduce emissions. And in some cases, you'll make money by selling your own data to to folks like that. Uh, And this is really uh, compelling. And you're really helping me understand that what's in it for me specifically. But let's 
think about it in the broader terms of us. So how would this financial gain work at the community level then? Uh, there's a group, we've been thinking about underserved communities across the U.S. in terms of social equity and racial equity and access to capital, but there's also energy equity. And these are communities where the utility bills are a very high proportion of household income, so there's a heavy energy burden. And the utilities around the country are uh, very concerned because we don't want to leave anybody behind as we move into the clean energy economy. So how do you take a community that has limited household income and it already has a high energy burden? So I'm full of good news on that front because when the data is easily available, every home in that community and through a community outreach program, you can organize your neighborhood, you can bring your data together And then you could say to product vendors, hey, here's 200 homes who would like to talk about local solar. Mm -hmm. And we often think that homes that have limited household income are not good candidates for solar. But in fact, Lint has been working in Modesto, California with disadvantaged communities. And we find that, first of all, 20% of homes already have solar because it is very cost effective in Modesto and these families have made it work. And second, more than half of the households we survey want to buy solar for their homes within the next three years. They're making practical financial decisions around clean tech. So we see those pathways opening up already. Clint is just, as Clint said, uh, as Chin said, we're just accelerating. Yeah. And to add on top of that, the, the reality is that these access to technologies could be funded through different uh, social programs as well. And so whether that is a social program here in the city of Dallas, or it's based on a state or even at the federal level, having that ability to access that capital to make that initial investment to lower your costs is also part of the equation as well. One of the headline news items uh, that came out recently was uh, the town of Ithaca, New York, has decided to go carbon zero by 2030, I believe, 2040. And they've decided that this means 6,000 buildings will have to go carbon zero. And so they're now organizing their community and they've engaged with a company called Block Power. And Block Power came out of Brooklyn where they've been um, retrofitting and upgrading low to moderate income housing stock and turning it into energy efficient communities. So we see both demand from communities like Ithaca and we see supply in companies like Block Power but neither party really has data. And that's where Glint gets it. Okay. So this is sounds like opportunity. If I'm an investor, for example, I'm trying to remember here, I think I'll need my notes. Yeah. Tom Steyer, uh, mm-hmm. I guess he's a former presidential, presidential candidate, billionaire. Clearly not my friend. We're working <laughs> on that. Um, but I understand that he launched a new venture capital fund, uh, the Galvanized Climate Solutions. Um, and his focus was climate change solutions and communities. And it sounds like to me initially, I was like, you know, taking notes. I was like, why both? Why would he focus on both? So if if I'm hearing you correctly, if communities like Ithaca has a zero carbon initiative and project as an investor, I'm going to be inclined to jump into this. Is that what his motivation is? Is that why he's doing both? Actually not. Um, It's another way of thinking because I wouldn't call Ithaca a low to moderate income community. That's where, you know, Cornell is, is full of um, PhDs and probably solidly middle class. Steyer, and also you see this from a uh, energy accelerator in Hawaii, the two groups have learned that if you can make a technology work in a low to moderate income community and it, it returns cash, 
to that group. It will work in the middle class and you can do it for the upper class. So they're putting the litmus test of product, you know, that harsh product environment at the front of the queue. Now, this is exactly the opposite of what Nest did. That beautiful Nest thermostat, you know, originally cost 500 bucks. Who could buy that but the upper middle class with a very large 3,000 square foot home? But now it's about 60 bucks. And so it came from upper middle class down to the average household. But what if you flip that and you started with pretty much the just below the average household and the low to moderate income group, you already have, you're faster into the mass market. We don't have to wait eight years. So yeah, that's why Steyer is doing it. Yeah. And, and to echo that, the, it's all about adoption, right? And so it's all about winning the market, winning, winning the adoption, because in many of these cases is that if you win the, the mass market on in the low to middle income families, you immediately get a massive return when you start to sell into the upper middle class and then beyond. At the same time, folks who are into these technologies, they're not going to switch. It's very sticky. So if you're if you're going to save 20, 30, 40 percent on your emissions and you're making money and you know, save the environment at the same time, if there's any other new technology that comes along, it has to be very well positioned or has an even higher value than what you already have today. So this is why Tom is putting, getting into these markets, because this is a once in, in a century type of opportunity when we start to look at this. Yeah. And then one last thing on communities is how does information get transmitted? And who gets motivated to do something about climate change? And Chin at the beginning talked about a young cousin that's like, what's in it for me? And it's a little bit skeptical. Well, it turns out the trigger that tr drives you off the bench there is your family and friends and your kids, because climate change means their future is really not very secure. And we always look out for our loved ones. So with those hooks, products can market to the folks on the fence but the information and the motivations when they are transmitted throughout a community like that is look out for your neighbor, look out for the person that you know down the street. And thus communities become an accelerator for change. And that's what the folks in Hawaii with their energy accelerator have learned. If they invest in technologies that get sold through those transmission mechanisms, those technologies get adopted faster and people make more money. The capitalists win faster. <laughs> and thus we have an investment vehicle. Okay. So I think you had mentioned a Modesto product or project. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to tie it all back in with our conversation here for this. So by focusing on energy engagement innovations, particularly in the low and moderate income families, are you saying then that data that your Glint is providing is going to give those um, communities data that didn't have I guess, available to them? Is that, is that you're just kind of pulling it in together? Is that what I'm seeing in exactly. Modesto? Exactly. So um, Modesto is 60% Latino. It is a strong working class, very vibrant, very family oriented community. And it's in the, excuse me, the Central Valley of California. So while the coast is pretty rich, Modesto actually is pretty average America. And so it's a great testing ground and it has a very hot summer and air conditioning is an important thing in Modesto. So every time we learn from Modesto, we're learning about typical America, working America and what could work for them. The particular challenge in Modesto is twofold. Same thing happened with COVID. Who do I trust for my information? And that's the same on clean tech. And then in Modesto, they have two local utilities called Modesto Irrigation District and Turlock Irrigation District that provide electricity. They have Pacific Gas and Electric that does the natural gas 
And then they have Modesto Water, that local water utility. Okay, everybody has three bills. Who can keep that straight? So that's the start. The first thing is I'd like to be smarter. Okay, let's get your data. And Glint's there to make that super easy so that we can get the flywheel going. So I have been reading some articles on this and there's like a backlash. And I, and I want to challenge you a little bit more on this because you have all this disparate data and there's, all, I'm sensing a huge, I guess, backlash on trusting technology in general. How do we know and how are you guys addressing just the assumption being that our data is even real? I, I think it was, I think it was Brookings website article. I'm trying to find it here is, but there's a, I guess a politicization of data. Can you guys help me just touch on that a little bit before we go on? Because I feel like what you're talking about, uh, there's a lot of skepticism. Yeah, I totally agree. Everything has gotten to a veneer of skepticism. Your utility bills turned into emissions data should be apolitical. It's a fact. This is what you spent. This is what the emissions are. What you choose to do with it is up to you. But we also see a tech uh, backlash on where does that data go? And are you in charge of your data? And that's where it's during COVID, big tech's um, stature in in the eyes of consumers fell very significantly. It's not a favored sector at the moment. And part of that is uh, just people saying, I'm tired of someone else monetizing all about me. I should be in charge of monetizing all about me. So if you put a slight break on the sucking out of the data from your phone out to big tech and you say, wait a minute, this data is not going there then suddenly the consumer's in charge of that, opening that gate to let it go somewhere when they want it to. And that's the gate that monetizes the data. So that one change is it very much in line with that broader trend of, I'm very skeptical these days of big tech owning my data. Yeah, I think this is a big push for uh, decentralization. Uh, we all are seeing in that in the, the DeFi finance applications for banking and finance. We're seeing a lot of decentralization when we start to look at just data in general. And so Guana Glint's vision and core pillars is to be able to empower, empower the, the consumer to control their data and leverage their data and as well as profit from their data, because that's really the future where all this information is going towards, because you, the consumer, you have a choice of which solar EV, whatever you want to choose, you want to buy, whatever fridge you want to be able to buy next week, uh, leveraging a, a coupon of cents source to, to, to minimize your, your emissions reduction. That's your choice. But the hardest part about all this is just facilitating getting in one place to where you can control and manage your data. That's the whole point of this. Oh, it's almost like your your own hero in your own choose your adventure story, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because when we start to look at what the future looks like, a future commerce in general, is that the more we decentralize, the more power and control that we have over our data and the decision-making process that we have. Yes, there are going to be all kinds of emerging technologies and influencers out there from YouTube to, to Google, but at the same time, it is still your data. And it almost sounds um, like by everybody holding their data, that we're just kind of like submerging and we're just going to be private, not share our data. And, you know, then someone who's listening might go, and how are we helping climate change? I don't understand this anymore because everybody has their data. And I want to flip the equation around and say, today, the average residential solar company spends one third of their price to the consumer on marketing. 
And that's about $3,500. That's a lot of money. And some of that is trying to find out who's interested and if they're a good candidate for solar. Are they using enough electricity? Is their roof okay? So on. When the consumer holds their own data, they've already put together a little bit of interest. When the, the solar company knocks on their door and says, would you mind if I looked at your data, I'm willing to pay you for it, I'll give you a cash back on your utility bill or something, you know, something like that. The consumer should, you know, can say yes, real easily. That solves that $3,500 problem. It takes it down a couple notches. And so what, when we talk about the consumer having control of their data, it's really the process of capitalism knocking on their door. There is plenty of good product out there right now that will save people money. They just need to know how does it fit into Sia's household? How does it fit into Chin's household? And so on. It's almost as if somebody's paying you to test drive their car. I mean, that's that's the reality. <laughs> that's exactly right. Oh, I like that. Well, I mean, I think you know, going back to what I was saying earlier with the distrust of the data, the technology that that you know we're just losing luster, if you will, that our data is going to be leveraged correctly, appropriately, but now that we've got better control of it. So yeah, we, we're not looking for tech heroes, right? But if we wanted to look at a quote term, and like, I'm stuck on the word hero, okay? So if we're looking at the story of, around carbon emissions, so what's the hero in this story? What's, what's Glint's perspective? Oh, so, I see those smiles. I see those smiles. <laughs> yeah. So let's just wave our magic wand for one minute and say to the consumer, what's the, you know, you just want to do the right thing. What is it? So you wake up in the morning and all your electricity is 100% clean and green. Well, you don't have to do anything. All your electrical appliances are just fine now. And then you say, okay, well, I'm going to boil some water and it's going to be my natural gas stove. Okay, let's switch out that natural gas electric. And now we've eliminated the fossil fuel because 90% of climate change is caused by fossil fuels. So natural gas, petroleum, you know, and gasoline in our cars, home heating oil. If we took those out of our daily use and wait through our magic wand, that would be enough. So I just want to change your gas stove and say, when this one dies, you have your data, let's go get you something electric and yeah. let the electric stove companies make you an offer. Yeah. And, and the, the hero in this is really the individual consumer and the business themselves, actually. The hardest thing about changing a human value system is proving to them that they will benefit from it. And that's really our, that's Glint's hero approach is that we're giving the power and information to the everyday consumers and the business uh, folks alike to make the decision that's relevant to them that impacts their value system. And that just hasn't been done before. And we're not saying that we have to prove the benefit on every decision. We're going to leave that part up to the product and solution providers. But we're giving both sides, the consumers and the providers, the tool that they need. Because otherwise, see, you're going to be sold solar and they're going to say, you know, I need to figure out what your utility bill is. And they'll do an estimate behind the scenes and you won't own your data. And you don't know if, they've, if the data is accurate or not. It's just well, not even part of the conversation. Or if you've gotten a good deal because you can negotiate probably a better rate. Yeah. Just by going to, to a different carrier. That's Selfishly, we yeah. have been looking in like we have been looking at solar. I mean, in Texas, it's big skies, sunny all day yeah. long, and we have a south-facing roof. So we have been looking into that. So I'm I'm loving this. And it is I want to make one thing clear. And I think we talked about this in the previous uh, episode. 
this is not like a socialist type of thing when we're talking about power to the people. This is really more education to the people. Am I, am I correct in that assumption? This is more education to the people. Well, this is also data to the people. <laughs> so from the data, they can become educated. I think it's very powerful. So powerful to the people. But as you know, I'm a, a very well-trained economist. And if, if I reflect back on my economics training, there is no way we're going to subsidize our way to climate change. So as we think about policy wonks, and they always say, now we have to worry about how to pay for it. And I'm like, if you think government's going to pay for it, we're not going anyplace here, folks. What we need to do is flip that whole model to say, there are enough profitable opportunities for businesses today. Let's reduce the frictions and make them a tiny bit more profitable and really open the floodgates of change, because that's about where we're at. We just need to keep reducing those frictions bit by bit. I, I think the most valuable thing that Glenn can do in this market is provide knowledge and education to the consumer. And by doing so, uh, that enables and empowers people to make the decisions that's right for them. That's it. Oh, okay. Then on that note, then where can I go for more info? I mean, look, I think I have good Google foo, but majority of people apparently don't know how to Google either. So uh, what would you recommend? Not just for Glint, Okay. Just to be clear, but where would you go to better educate or to become an advocate? Um, to better educate yourself at this time, one of your best resources is actually your local utility website. So they will give you what's recommended in your area. They also show you the rebates that you can get typically 30 to $100 off any product that you might be considering. So that's an excellent place to start. And then for policy and more, I suggest checking out rewiringamerica.org. It's all about the billion small decisions, such as changing your gas stove and how they add up into a complete solution for climate change. And they have on their website, the benefit to electrifying your home, which means removing the natural gas, getting EVs and so on for every county in the United States. So you can go see about people like yourself and just get a first look. Oh, absolutely. This was such a wonderful conversation. I feel, always feel somewhat enlightened when I'm, uh, I talk to you guys. So um, to summarize this, and if I understand it correctly, then is, you know, with the Glint view and perspective on how can I be effective in solving or contribute to climate change, or what can I benefit with the data that I get from um, the utility organizations so I can affect, you know, effectively monetize my data in a way that will help me. It sounds like to me, consumers and communities really do have the ability to profit for the people with data emissions, which is the whole focus of today's conversation. If there's any parting thoughts, guys, here's your opportunity. Any last words of wisdom? <laughs> well, thanks, Sia. Today, we we're talking a lot about the data power to the people. And in our next episode, let's talk about how to use other people's money, which is get the financing. Because this data actually unlocks financing markets um, for both consumers. Maybe not each of us will get a green loan, but the solar company that comes knocks on our door will get that green loan. So behind the scenes on the business side, what's, what's going on in financing? And my snippet is $1 trillion of green bonds are going to be issued in 2021. Let's talk about other people's money <laughs> and how we can use it for ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely. The parting thoughts from here is that to continue to learn and share, and that's part of our story. Thank you so much for your time. Again, Martha, CEO, and Chin, CRO over at Glint. I believe this would be a perfect ending point for the Glint view. Stay tuned for the next episode, guys. We're going to be talking about the 
other people's money. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Glint View. Don't forget to like this podcast and subscribe. See you at the next episode.